from the sports desk of the Lubbock Avalanche Journal and RedRaiders.com. Here's your look at all things Texas Tech sports. Now, here's the Red Raider Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Red Raiders Podcast. It's game week here in Lubbock. Don Williams from the Avalanche Journal Sports Department, our sports editor, Carlos Silva Jr., joining you today on the uh, uh, podcast as we preview Texas Tech, Montana State, 3 p.m. game Saturday at Jones AT&T Stadium. And also we have a lot of uh, reader, listener, viewer questions to get to. We are doing this podcast in lieu of the old Facebook Live from last last year. That's good for me because it's good am, for me too. I'm not a handsome man. And <laughs> I'm probably better heard than seen. Well, not only that, but the Facebook people were quick to tell us how great we looked. So, <laughs> so I'm kind of happy about that. But uh, as you kind of mentioned, Don, we're still going to answer questions. And we had plenty of them on Twitter for some reason. Uh, when you tweet something with your 12,000 followers, people want to know what you, what you want to know. So we'll get to all those as best we can in about the 15 minutes that we're allotted. And then, of course, I've got a cool little story slash interview with uh, Travis Kuntz who we did for Media Day, so we'll have that in the second portion of the podcast. But I think everyone, especially myself, I know I talked about it, I believe, in the last podcast, but we finally get to talk about a game once it does happen on Saturday compared to what we think is going to happen. I guess for you, what's kind of the biggest thing that may stick out to you when you do see Texas Tech finally take the field with the Matt Wells era started? Well, I think it's the whole uh, – It's it's the fact that it's new. It's the fact that it's uh, largely unknown. Yep. And um, that applies not only on the field, but also in the stadium now that they have beer sales all over Jones AT&T Stadium. So I think uh, that that's what you uh, kind of anticipate and look forward to is what is all this, uh, what's all this going to look like? Uh, and as you touched on from the Matt Wells era, new way of doing things offensively, um, uh, with a hurry-up offense faster than they've done in the past. And uh new guy in charge of the defense, too, with Keith Patterson, with a uh, change from the David Gibbs uh, approach and philosophy. Special teams, too. I mean, everything's basically new. At least for me, it's going to be the same. I, I know I joke about it a little bit more than I probably should, but I think seeing how the special teams works, even in this situation, I think it's going to be interesting to see what you have with your long snapper, your holder, your punter kicker, although – I, I tend to agree with you. It took a little bit of time, but I kind of slept over it. I think I'm okay with Austin McNamara. I think I'm 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 okay with the punting game up until maybe he has that first shank. As we we were all talking great about Dominic Panazzolo, and then all of a sudden the wind, I guess, kind of affects you a little bit. But I think uh, the kickers are really what I'm going to be watching, and I think everything else will fall into place once they play a Montana State team. Who, as you kind of alluded to in some of your articles that you came coming in, yes, they they, they have some really Really good accolades coming into this, but at the end of the day, they're an FCS team, and Texas Tech should be playing pretty well against this type of team. Yeah, they're ranked number 15 in the FCS. Uh, went to the playoffs last year, finished 8-5. and five. Um, Texas Tech, though, a 25-point favorite in this game at a couple of yep. the uh, sports books out in Vegas. So, For those that do that. For those that do that. We don't. Um, let's, let's get into the questions, uh, sure. since we have a, a bunch of them to get to, uh, started off with John Snacks. De Leon asked, do either of you see any of the players as draft worthy? Terrence Steele might be one. Be Terrence Steele, the offensive tackle. Yeah. Terrence Steele's someone I, I kind of see, um, I'm trying to think of all the seniors that well, there's on the uh, here, at the moment. I, I think what, what, what Texas Tech has on this roster is a lot of guys who are kind of playing to, playing to get into the draft. 
from a personal standpoint, obviously they're playing to win football games for their team. I, I don't know that there's any senior on this team that I would say is a slam dunk certainty to be drafted, but I think there are a lot of guys who are going to get opportunities for sure and some guys who have the possibility, have the potential to be drafted based on what they do this year. I think Jordan Brooks, in, in my mind, yeah. is, is the yeah. main one because he's been productive and he's also kind of a – combination of size and he runs well you know for a guy who's six foot and 240 pounds uh broderick washington probably a little bit undersized as an nfl defensive lineman go on the interior but a guy who's had a who has a great work ethic and who uh was the highest rated interior uh defender in the big 12 by pro football focus last year or at least returning defenders this year so uh, Brooks, Washington, uh, I agree with you. I think uh, Terrence Steele has an opportunity to be drafted. Madison Akamnanu certainly has the, has the build and, uh, and the frame to be a draft guy. But like I say, right now I think a lot of those guys that we're talking about, I'm not, I, w- I wouldn't say it's an absolute certainty. They're trying to uh, play their way into the draft. And I think someone else to add that I totally forgot, even though I was thinking offensive lineman, Jack Anderson could be another guy. Came in as a five-star. Everyone kind of likes his footwork. Everyone has been talking real good about him. I think he has, as you said, potential. I don't know if the – Still a junior, though. Yeah, yeah, still a junior. But, again, I don't know how the question was asked. If he meant as a senior that's draftable this year, just guys that could be draftable, I I would certainly think uh, Jack Anderson could be in that conversation. Probably, probably. I don't think after this season, but I think after next year. Yeah, Yeah. no, he, he certainly improved a lot. Started all 12 games as a freshman, so you certainly know that. And all 13 as a sophomore. Yeah, and and again, the the freshman thing could be the fact that there was a lot of injuries that did happen on that offensive line, but certainly he did have some talents that did earn him his spot there. But certainly a good question to get us started off there. What else you got there, Don? Because now you're not using your iPhone 1, you're actually using your laptop, so we're going to. So we're going to get some pretty quick questions here. Brian Grimes asks, what kind of year do you expect from Eric Ezekonma? He's been uh, obviously a uh, highly uh, praised guy in training yeah. camp. He's put on weight. He's, he's been healthy. You know, he's been healthy. He's he's 210 pounds now on a 6'3 frame. Uh, Matt Wells, as you said, has talked about all spring, all summer, all camp. He's been out there every day, mm-hmm. which a lot of guys get banged up, miss time here and there. He said, Eric, there's a comment, an everyday guy makes plays. But you know what? I spent a lot of, I spent about an hour researching this, Carlos, looking at what players did as fresh what texas tech receivers did as freshmen and redshirt freshmen the last decade or two Mm -hmm. and i was kind of maybe a little bit surprised in the tommy tuberville and cliff kingsbury era since 2010 most passes caught by a freshman or redshirt freshman in a single season jakeem grant is redshirt freshman year caught 33 passes most yardage by a freshman or redshirt freshman uh, this decade, T.J. Vasher, 545 yards. And, you know, the second most yards receiving by a Texas Tech freshman or redshirt freshman this decade is only 336 by Ian Sadler back in 2014. Here's another thing that really struck me. Uh, and this goes back uh, to the previous decade. Even even guys who, over the course of their careers, we think of later became explosive and became really big playmakers, didn't really weren't real big play guys as freshmen. The following players averaged less than ten yards per catch when they were freshmen and redshirt freshmen at Tech: Kiki QT, Cameron Batson, 
Dylan Cantrell, Jonathan Giles, Jakeem Grant, Bradley Marcus, Jason Morrow, Danny Amendola, uh, Nehemiah Glover, who is a super speed guy. All of those guys average less than 10 yards a catch. Jonathan Giles now season. at LSU. R.I.P. No, now he's gone. Now yeah, he's at Texas Southern. Now yeah. he's at Texas Southern. Oh, that's right. He, he did transfer again. So, you know, you take all the, taking all that into account, um, I, I think fair expectation of Eric Ezekama is 25 to 35 catches. And, again, 33 is the most any freshman has had at Tech in this decade. So I'd say 25 to 35 catches, somewhere between 350 and 550 yards. Now, it's, I, he could skew a little bit high because he is a starter, but I think uh, also I think his playing time is going to his playing time is going to be split because R.J. Turner is a guy who I think is legit guy uh, who plays the same position. And you look at what R.J. Turner did in those games that he played against SEC and Big Twelve teams for ULM, and the guy really produced and made plays. So um, I, I think. Those two guys are going to wind up splitting time, and it'll affect uh, as economist numbers. The interesting thing that I just t- took away from at least just listening to all the names you mentioned, especially the first ones with the red shirt to sophomores, I believe, in terms of their catches and yardage. Red shirt freshman, for, red shirt freshman. Pardon me, is the height difference. You go to a TJ Vasher that's probably one of your tallest receivers, and you go to a Jakeem Grant who's one of your shorter receivers that was a speedster, kind of all around guy. So, so that they, they did find a way to get Jakeem Grant the ball just because of his playmaking ability. Of course, everyone on the NFL level knows it now. He's with the Miami Dolphins. But I think it's interesting to think of all the pieces around those two guys as they were those redshirt freshmen. Mm -hmm. And it just goes to show that they clearly had the talent in the coaching staffs at the time knew that, and they were trying to get the ball to both of them at that time. But they still had some guys around them, and I think that's maybe the – I, I don't know if crux is the right word, but I guess just uh, something that happens when you have an offense like this is you're going to have your one good game, and then eventually you may not have it for another one. But the one thing that you have to be is just kind of present, which I think is what's going to help Eric Izzucanum. And I think that's really why Coach Wells really brought that up is the fact that he was just consistent, always there, likely has a pretty good rhythm with Alan Bowman, which is kind of a good thing because last year some guy that had a rhythm with him was J.D. on high, and he led the team in receptions and catches last year. Or uh, yards and catches, pardon me. Um, LQ, uh, with several questions, what percentage of snaps will we see uh, a tight end in the formation? Oh, man, that's all you. I'm not More than – well, here's the thing, more than 90%. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they, remember the, uh, the big number that David – the number that David Yost said in his very first press conference was they used 90, the tight end 96% of the snaps in, uh, eh. at Utah State last year. So, I mean, this is a – it's an every-down element of this offense. So you're going to see tight end uh, – almost as much as you see left tackle. Um, now, here's the thing, though. Uh, a lot of these snaps, it's not, it's not going to be a guy who's down in a three-point stance. A lot of the snaps, it's going to be tight end who's lined up as an inside receiver yeah. the way Jason Morrow was. I don't know. Well, again, may, maybe it's just me, Don, but when I think of it, the, the best athletes you will have on the field are when you have four to five wideouts and a running back. I think that is what you had recruited to you. That's when you're going to have your best five athletes. So I'm kind of interested to see, yeah, you're going to have your tight end there to kind of help you with the run blocking. You kind of do some different things with it. But I'm kind of interested to see how that number changes because I think this coaching staff knows what they have in their first year. That, of course, the 90% was when they had everything they recruited to. They knew what they had. This year, I think they're going to be adjusting a little bit because of what they have. 
I, I would have to venture to guess it'd be about seventy five percent, maybe eighty percent. Yeah, and you yeah. make and you raise a good point because uh, they are they inherited a roster, of course. That we're, yes, y- you have Dante Thompson's a starter. He has three career catches. Mm-hmm. Tyler Carr has two career catches. Mm-hmm. Travis Coons is the tight end that people are excited Juco. about. But you look at his JUCO numbers, and he caught ten passes one year, and he caught sixteen passes the uh, last year. So he he hasn't been a real big pass catching mm-hmm. guy. So there's none of these guys that really have pro- shown that they're going to catch a lot of footballs. But I do think, uh, I say, I do think these guys, the coaching staff, is committed to that position, and yeah. that it's going to be on the field. Be that as a uh, Probably less of a pass catcher, more of a blocker type. Yeah, which uh, again, I, I can't remember the question, but I'm, I'm pretty sure just if there's going to be a tight end on there, I would agree because I think that's going to certainly help your running game. Which you have three capable running backs who you'll be talking a little bit about later. This, this next uh, next question. If yeah, I was there you go. Well, there you go. Let's let's transition into that. Feel free. Your cue also asks, "What do you think the breakdown for snaps will be for the running backs? Who gets the most snaps?" And we're, we're talking about Henry. Shine and Thompson. I would say Sir Roderick, just just based on what he's been doing, and then Shine's going to probably be next, and and Tajan just because of his game changing kind of change up type speed. I think that's how I would do it. Yeah, see, we're we're we're, we're going to be exactly opposite here because I yeah. I would say I think Tajon Henry's going to get the most snaps. That's interesting. Here's why: maybe Tajon Henry kind of reminds me personality wise of DeAndre Washington, a guy who's really serious and really committed. Your and, last thousand yard um, runner. You know, if I'm De- not mistaken, I mean, DeAndre is still in the NFL with yeah. the Oakland Raiders. Mm-hmm. He's because he's he's dedicated. He works hard. He knows. I mean, the got a chip on his shoulder. Got a chip on his shoulder. Tayshon Henry strikes me as the same kind mm-hmm. of guy, and we also saw him be, you know, very productive last year as a freshman. Scored eight. You know, led you in rushing yeah. touchdowns with eight. Um, Tejon told me uh, that you know he weighed about 165 pounds last year, and yeah. now he weighs 187. So he's I mean, bigger. It's going to make a difference. I do. I will agree with you. This on Sir Roderick Thompson. Though. I mean, you're talking about guys 210 pounds yeah. that can run pretty. You know, can can move. He's not just a he's not just a pile pusher guy. He's yeah. a guy who who has a little bit of quickness to him. I mean, for what it's worth, he's not your every down back because I know the way that this offense runs. You want to have different guys in there so they're not getting tired because of the tempo, all that other stuff. But I. At least for me, Sir Roger Thompson seems like a back that you want in there because he gives you different aspects. He can block for you in pass protection. He can run for you up the middle. He can run left or right. And if need be, if you need to kind of push the pile, as you kind of mentioned, you got Armand Shine. Every every player I've talked to or asked about him say he's just like a, a wrecking ball. He will move the pile. And to John Henry, we all know the type of talent he has. And all of his uh, big runs were for touchdowns. He's got the speed. He's got that ability to kind of change a play. And I think that's what kind of makes him special if you get him on a third down or maybe a second down where you're trying to kind of get him out to the flat. I think that's where he's special. And don't get me wrong, all of them can be dudes. All, all I think they're all can be dudes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. No, they're all good. It's just a matter of can you find the right, as the question kind of alludes to, can you find the right mixture of all three that kind of makes them all successful in a special way? Because the last couple of years, you've had some guys that have been good, but you've kind of ridden them too long, and maybe they get hurt, they get a concussion, then you kind of have to figure out a new guy. And I think that's really kind of going to be the challenge here for this coaching staff is can you find a guy that you can stick with for a little bit who I think could be Sir Roderick Thompson? 
when you want to give him a little bit of a rest, you got Armand Shine, who's kind of got the same build. It's going to really kind of pound the defense, which I think is what Matt Wells and company want to do. They want to be the tougher team going into that fourth quarter, and I think that's going to help you. And then when you want to kind of really change things up, you got Deshaun Henry, who's not going to he, – he can hit you in the mouth. Don't get me wrong, but he can certainly run past you too. So, uh, and here, here's another thought. Matt Wells said this week that uh, they would – that all three of those guys will play. All three mm-hmm. of those guys will play early in the game and in the season. And the way he likes to do it, the way he's done it in the past, is then you'll go with the hot hand in the second half. Yep. And so whatever guy they feel like uh, is, is the guy that day is the guy that's going to get the ball most most of the time in the third and fourth quarter. So Carlos thinks it's Sir Roderick Thompson, I think, uh, is going to be the lead dog. I think Tejon Henry is going to be the lead dog. And I think, I think what it will boil down to is uh, there's th- you'll see two guys – I think you'll see one – I think you'll see two guys out of the three get the most uh, most time. And then they're kind of battling to be in that, in that top two. That's my guess. Um He'll keep another question. Over under for when the majority of the fans start leaving during the game. Halftime in the third quarter, mid fourth in the game. Tex had a big problem with that. Yeah, Obviously, frankly, last I don't year, really care about that. People question. leaving halftime. I mean, the, the thing is, is like you're into a game again. He, he, here are the things that, if you really want me to get into this, that you're kind of fighting on for, on on Saturday. It's going to be three p.m. I'm sure it's going to be blazing hot like everyone always complains about because everyone likes the night games because it's nice and cool whatever you want to say but the thing is is like you're going to get into your seat if you're on the west side which i believe is the side that gets the shadow you're cool on the other side it gets kind of blazing so you're going to have that and then once you leave you can't re-enter but the thing is is like if you have a product that's good that you're kind of enjoying and you want to watch a little bit and the fact that you can as you kind of mentioned, Don, for the first time in football, you're going to have some alcohol there. You're not going to have to maybe leave to go to a tailgate and kind of hang out there, watch some games. You can also watch games on your phone. I don't know. Like I, Here's, here's what I said. Well, and I don't, I don't know if we're talking about uh, – Mid-fourth, I guess, if you want me to answer. I, I'm, I'm probably saying more like third. reason why is because uh, people's attention span is about maybe three hours, two and a half, three hours. Huh. And um, so and yeah. with four-hour games, particularly this – this yeah. week, I'm saying, I'm saying about third quarter for yeah. when people start to Yeah, although, leave. like I said, I think they're going to be running a little bit more, so maybe these games won't be the five-plus hour that we're used to the last couple of years because, believe me, I have a lot of fun things I could do that are not more than five hours. So, uh, Cameron Thomas asked, should we expect to see any sort of strides from the defense or more of the same? Well, I think you got to take into account you're still playing in the Big 12. Yeah, so you're going to give up a lot of yards and you're going to give up points because – uh, that's the way Big Twelve football is played these days. I don't. I don't really know. I think there's a lot of unknowns. I think you have unknowns that, uh, you know, particularly the out, you know the outside linebacker with the outside linebackers with the new guys, Tyreek Matthews, new starter, Evan Rambo, new starter. Um, there's you have experienced guys in the secondary, but you have Adrian Fry and Douglas Coleman playing different positions. Um, I do think that. Uh, I think Keith Patterson will run a more fan-appealing defense. I think folks got tired of uh, David Gibbs' approach. I think Patterson will look to kind of pressure passers more. And, uh, you know, they produced a ton of takeaways and defensive touchdowns last year. I think six defensive touchdowns, but those numbers tend to kind of be 
hard to replicate from a year-to-year basis. I don't know about strides, if that's the right word, but I think you're going to see a difference, and you kind of alluded to it. The difference is going to be that the defense is going to attack the offense. They're not going to react to what the offense is doing. The offense is going to react to them. You're going to hear Keith Patterson say that more and more, uh, depending on if we get to talk to him for media availabilities, but that's all he talked about during the the offseason was we want to put pressure on the quarterback, as you mentioned. So clearly that means that they're going to blitz. Or they're going to bring some type of pressure blitz, somewhere. They'll blitz when they want to, though. Yeah, and, which and, and and Matt Wells, remember back in the spring, made a real good observation. I thought he said that uh, we want to play base, be able to play good, sound base defense first and tackle. It's not just uh, going to be all out uh, blitz. You know, send send guys. I mean, the down the, after the down other thing too, and and I know I mentioned this before. You're playing Montana State and UTEP in your first two games. You're not going to let cat out of the bag in those two games you're going to do it against arizona you don't want game tape on all the stuff that you're potentially going to be able to do i would think that's yep. just me yeah uh tug rick's asked will jet duffy have some packages designed for him uh i don't possibly think so. I, I mean, mean i don't I, think so i mean I, here's the here's the thing i mean he's, he's struggling just to be your number two quarterback i mean the, the the thing i would say is the only thing you have kind of specially for him is just in uh kind of when, when you're up 20 or 30 on Montana State and UTEP, get him, get him some experience, see where he works well, which uh, usually it's a running play. Uh, clearly, he did that against TCU, almost won you that game. Um, we mentioned the Oklahoma and then, of course, the West Virginia game last year. Certainly, uh, passing is something that he could work on in terms of his decision-making when he does that. If he's able to improve that, I think that could at least make him a very viable second string quarterback but as of this moment i would just say he's kind of working on his craft yeah um bryce thompson will we see well okay we already kind of answered that when we see any field talent on the current roster like we have in the yep. past yeah i think we have uh you know, take yep. us a bunch of guys who have opportunities mm-hmm. as we kind of discussed earlier spencer kelly back with a uh uh, Keith Patterson question, you think Patterson can replicate a level of the success defensively that the three three five has had in recent years in the Big 12? Uh, also, any worry about quarterback regression without Cliff's guiding hand? Um, can they replicate the level of success defensively? You know, to me, that kind of thing is always based on the talent you got. It's not so much the scheme, it's the talent. I mean, you can also say, what, what do you judge success by? Turnovers? takeaways i mean you can put all these numbers to it and say you had more of these in the previous regime you can do something like that bottom line well here's the thing yeah. bottom line i think uh, can you be seven to ten points a game better defensively that yeah that, that's um, all you gotta do uh and i don't know because it's a lot of the same guys that you've played with in the past so i'm not sure yeah. that putting them in a different scheme is gonna lead to drastically Improved it could results. be a simpler scheme. I think that's the other thing. And maybe in a more reactionary uh, state compared to you're just kind of letting things come to you, I think that's going to help a little bit. Because I know David Gibbs kind of talked about that to where some guys wouldn't be in that phase where they're kind of thinking and or, or thinking before they make a play, they make a play. I think they're going to be in that stage now because from at least the small amount of times that there are some clues that I get, some of these players seem like they know that there is a plan when there's a certain down in distance, and I think they're going to know what to do each time. Um, second question, any worry about quarterback regression without Cliff's guiding hand? No. Mm-hmm. You know, I've, I've thought about I, – I have thought about that, but I think you, you look at David Yost's track record. Yeah. I mean, 
Again, I know, I know this has been said over and over again and again, but uh, I mean, he coached he coached the quarterbacks, mm-hmm. Chase Daniel at Missouri, mm-hmm. uh, all those guys in Missouri, Chase Daniel, Blaine Gabbert, who was a first round draft pick. Um, Chase Daniel still playing the NFL. Mm-hmm. Brad Smith, who ran for 291 yards and five touchdowns on Tech in mm-hmm. the 2008 2003 game up in Missouri. He coached uh, the uh, Franklin kid who's still playing in the CFL at Missouri. Mm-hmm. He coached uh, Justin Herbert's freshman year at Oregon. He was Justin Herbert's quarterback coach. Yep. And Herbert actually put up good numbers his freshman year at Oregon. I think seventeen touchdown passes and little RPO, four interceptions, something like that. So uh, it's going to look different, um, look a little different. But I mean, David Gill's track record for coaching quarterbacks. Is, I think uh, he may be throwing the ball less. Impressive. That that would be the only thing I'd say. Maybe he's throwing the ball less, so you're not in the possibility of making more mistakes because you're running the football a little bit more. That's all I would say. You know, um, that, that, that's what I would say. Staying on that, kind of stay on that same subject against which opponent will uh, Alan Bowman throw for the most yards this season and how many? UTEP, 555 <laughs> yards. Their defense has got awful done. Well, you know, you, right you know, Carlos, I was, I was actually looking at, I was actually looking at this, and um, oh, goodness gracious, but just just about any Big Twelve team that you can name uh, ranked 80th or higher in the uh, in. Passing yards allowed last year, and most of those, about five or six of them, ranked 100th or higher. Mm-hmm. But with that said, I, I, I thought uh, the same thing. I was thinking UTEP, but you know what? You're playing UTEP, Conference USA, Don. <laughs> you know what? UTEP actually ranked like 34th in the nation in pass defense last year. Maybe yeah, but look at who they, they played, Don. Maybe that was because they didn't have to uh, throw the ball. They off. were playing Northern Arizona, Don, and they lost to Northern Arizona at home. <laughs> I so mean, I agree with on. I agree with Carlos. Yes. I think it'll be UTEP in week two. It's UTEP or Montana State. It's one of the two. When I, I'm, I'm going to say UTEP because it's week two, so they'll have the and it's also in my craw because you to, know it annoys me. You know they'll work out some kinks. <laughs> they'll work out some kinks after week one, and they'll be better. Yeah, in week that two. too. I didn't so even think be, about that. So it'll so be so UTEP. That should be. Fun. You said five fifty five. Maybe it goes for six hundred against UTEP. That'd be a record, wouldn't it? Six hundred. Six oh five was what he threw for last year against against Houston. That's right. Um, let's see, Mark, uh, Mark Aleta asked, I hope I pronounced your name correctly, Mark. Yeah. Um, what position can least afford an entry excluding quarterback? Uh, I, I think it's defensive line. If you lose Broderick Washington or Eli Howard, those are, those are the kinds of entries that are really hard to overcome. And I think the, uh, second, one B on that would be linebacker. If you lost Jordan Brooks, Rico Jeffers, then you are then you're really hurting at linebacker. Man, that's tough. Uh, I I'd agree with you, but I'll just kind of counter with this, and and I'll actually get to my answer. Defensive line, if you do lose one of those guys, at least you got Tony Bradford there. Linebacker, at least you got Tyreek Matthews. Yes, I know uh, Tony Bradford does play different. Though. Yeah, I I get it, but I mean everyone's been talking well about him. So if he steps up, I I'm not going to be shocked if he does because of the way they talked about him, but. I would say defensive back. I mean, that's really what you need in the Big 12 once you do get to conference. And if you are hurt and you're going to have a guy that gets exposed, it's going to be a very long day for you in the Big 12 because you're not going to have a guy that can kind of stick with any of the wide receivers and you have to really change your scheme to kind of help yourself out. Yeah, I'll I'll agree with you from the standpoint of uh, you need a lot of DBs. Yeah. Um, I I think they're good as long as they keep all those – 
all those guys healthy. They have a little bit of depth at cornerback because you have four guys at corner that they feel I mean, I will about. say with the Spur and the Raider, I suppose there's a little bit of, I guess, give and take, but I think if you lose your corners, it's not going to hurt. It's not going to be helpful for you. Yeah. Um, also, Mark also asked what the staff's recruiting sale that has made them successful in the 2020 class compared to past coaches. I think the oh, biggest easy. thing that works. We're undefeated right now. Well, I think the biggest thing yeah. that works in Matt Wells' favor is uh, nobody's talking about firing the football, firing the coach. Well, that's which, uh, which Cliff Cliff's recruiting was hampered by that over the last two years, yeah. three years. Yeah, I know really, they missed really out fun. on some. They, they they missed out on Tanner Mordecai, who's at Oklahoma this year. That was that was the guy that they were supposed to get. So. But you know, really, ever since they lost sixty six to. 10 up at Iowa State at the end of the, what, 2016 season. It's been, you know, Cliff Kingsbury death watch. Yeah. And so that is, uh, I think, scared off a lot of recruits. So I think that's the main thing that Matt Wells has going for him. I think the other thing he has going for him is uh, a lot of guys who have recruited Texas before. Um, and I think also the Matt Wells' personality. It's just, I mean, you see yeah. him, you've seen him on the uh, – kind of recruiting fans, recruiting, so to speak, your fan base, where he has been so very out there and very public, one speaking engagement after another after another. And so I think the personality that you've seen him show with fans, I would think, is helping him also uh, on the recruiting trail as well. And the fact that he's recruiting Texas, too. I mean, you got a kid from Wellington. you got you know, West Texas. West Texas. About? Yeah, West Texas. you got all those kids. There'll be more. That's right. Um, but, yeah, I mean, everything's working right for him. Uh, looks like John Eubanks is the next one. When was the last time Tech entered the season with such unproven special teams, and how did it turn out? I figured you'd be the guy to answer You know, I, I, I haven't had enough time to research that one. That's a, that's a good question. When's the last time Texas Tech replaced punter, kicker, kickoff return man, punt return man, and deep snapper all in one off season? I, I don't know the answer to that one. Off the top of my head, I would assume maybe it's happened at some point. But, I mean, you're talking – every guy that basically touches the ball on special teams was a senior last year. Mm-hmm. Again, punter, kicker, deep snapper, punt return man, kickoff return man, all those guys are gone. So, I don't really know. I'll have to, I'll have to uh, do maybe a good bit of research to figure that one out, John. And well, get back to you. Well, it could be a nice little story for you, Don. He gave you a story idea, so there you go. Uh, Nate Steiner, all ears on this explosive inside info from Don Williams. I think they're kind of the, the joke that I made about your top five uh, power rankings for Taco Villa, so you can think about that <laughs> while we answer this other one's uh, expectation setting with Coach Wells. Any insight into goals, objectives, and the time horizons Hoka has established with the coach? Win-loss over year, offensive, defensive metrics, uh, progress. That's really the word that Kirby's been using the last, God, was it two, three years with uh, yeah, Kingsbury? Yeah, yeah. And I think same thing here. I mean, asking Kirby about that again a week or two ago, um, he's been consistent in saying that he doesn't really look for yeah, numbers, number of yeah. wins or where you rank statistically. It's where do you see – I'm trying to remember how he phrased it, but it's sort of he sort of said where's the effect of – you know it when you see it. Yeah. Is this better, and is it going in the right direction, or is it not? Because sometimes you can have a bad record, but you can see things are going you can on see the up. Things getting better. And, and, exactly. and, and I can use the example in the Big 12, Matt Rule and Baylor. 
you didn't see a lot with those two wins, won, but then all of a sudden you go six and six the the next year. Yeah, I mean he went one and eleven. His yeah, first one eleven. Thank and, you. Sorry, uh, one and eleven first year, seven and six last year. Yeah. Um, and I lost my train of thought. I was about to make a point. I apologize. It. Well, oh, oh, it was time frame. Well, Matt Wells got has a six year contract right off the bat. Yeah. So I think uh, obviously Kirby's Kirby's. He knows the importance of winning at football. He knows what it means to his athletic department. He yep. knows the he knows the importance of it, and I think he knows that. I think everybody's aware that football is on the spot because baseball, men's basketball, track, tennis, golf, track, uh, all, all these sports have mm-hmm. shown that you can win. You can mm-hmm. recruit to Lubbock, Texas, and you can win. And so um, he, I think he he's expecting big things out of Matt Wells. I think there's also the realization on his on Kirby's part that. Uh, Matt has to upgrade the talent that he inherited. That right now, I, th- I think in my mind, this is about a six and six team. Yeah, because I, I think it's about six win talent. Mm-hmm. And so I think his, I think he will be realistic, um, and I think he will. Matt will have some leeway. He, he will. He will. Be, he will have leeway the first yeah. year or two. He will be given time to uh, improve. Um, but but because I, I, I think again I think I think Tech kind of has six win talent right now. He knows Matt has to upgrade. Matt Wells has to upgrade the roster. Yeah. But um, you know and that's part of the reason why he has six year contract. Six year contract, and not only that, but you kind of see all the. I'm trying to think of the word, but I think Matt Wells knows what he needs or wants. That's why they have a bigger recruiting. Uh, staff, if you will, so they're trying to upgrade that. Uh, they're trying to obviously upgrade the football facilities. He knows what he has here. I think that the, the thing with Matt Wells is he has a plan already set, and I think Kirby kind of knows what that is at this point, and I think that's how he's going to see the progress is what they talked about here, but that progress is certainly going to be looked at with wins and losses, but I think in this first year, just give Matt Wells – the benefit of the doubt that they're going to try and put the best product they have out there. I agree with you on the six wins. I don't know if it's a six-win talent, but I certainly think this team is capable of six wins. But if you win a game somewhere on the road like a West Virginia or a Texas, maybe you get seven wins, you know? Yeah, um, and I think he's also looking for, you know, kind of changing mindsets, changing culture, that sort of thing. Yeah. Are, you, are you able to accomplish that in the first year or two? Uh, let's see. What's the next question, Carlos? You had another one. Uh, well, the last one from a person named Mark Anderson in Frisco, Texas, your favorite man. How do you think Big Boy Jack in the offensive line will play this year? <laughs> it, 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 you, it's going to be our I last you, one because we're at thirty-five minutes now. So I tell you, Big Big Boy Jack Anderson is a impressive physical specimen. As we were, Jack uh, met with the media uh, last week. Yep. You know, took you know took the pads off. This is post practice, yep. and I asked Jack how much you weigh now because his <laughs> upper body is massive. Yeah, the uh, you talk about barrel chested. Jack looks like a guy who can compete in those world's strongest man competitions. Yeah, um, and so I was kind of surprised because Jack didn't. Ex- I asked him how much he's weighing, and he said, "Well, let's let's put it this way: on August thirty first, I'll be three <laughs> And He kind of he kind of. 
Uh, didn't really answer the question, Dre. I think don't, he, he said, don't know after that, but on August yeah. 31st, I'll be 315. I think he learned from his buddy Travis Bruffy, who lied to us about his weight last year. Well, so, I, I tell you, so. Jack, just because he, he looks so so massive, I, yeah. it would surprise me if he was 330 or so. Yeah, um, which there's nothing wrong with that because I mean, he's, he's pretty svelte. You know, how will the offensive line do? Um, you, you know, all, all off season, you, you thought offensive line will be a strength because you got Bruffy and Steele back at the tackles. You have mm-hmm. Anderson and uh, Akamnanu back at the guards. You have some guys at center who have at least been in the program with Bailey Smith and Dawson Deaton, and you have a you know an enormous amount of experience because you know the, your two tackles and your two guards are all multi year starters. But then you've kind of had some kinks thrown into it with, uh, you know, a Terrence Steele's injury in the summer. He's kind of questionable going into uh, – Yeah, this game. Going into Just this game. game. So what does that do for – do you play Bruffy back on the left side, which he played last year? Or Zach Adams or behind move, him. Or, yeah, or yeah. do you move Bruffy to the right side, which is what he played in the spring? So my guess here, and this is just a guess, mm-hmm. my guess is week one we're going to see Travis Bruffy back on the left side where Travis was last year, and you're going to see Casey Verholz start at right tackle. Now it could be, as you said, it could be the opposite. We could see Travis Bruffy at right mm-hmm. tackle, and you could see Zach Adams at the left tackle. Or you could see, I think Terrence, Terrence looks like he's close to me to get back. He was out there Monday night at that open yeah. practice, mm-hmm. and we saw him in pads last mm-hmm. week. Yeah. So I think Terrence will be back fairly quickly. Yeah. But you don't, you know, you don't really want that with uh, going into uh, Montana State and Utah. You know, going into the season. Yeah, you you can be mm-hmm. Montana State and Utah probably with your second team offensive I, line. I would really but, hope uh, so. <laughs> but this I would team, really hope so. You know, but this team doesn't need. Yes. Uh, doesn't need uncertainty at what's already, you know, at what's its most experienced spot. Well, the last and final question, Don, because we are at 37 minutes exactly right now. Everyone wants to know, top five, your power rankings, food, Taco Villa. Taco Villa food choices? Taco Villa, pardon me. Uh, let's Didn't see, I like, uh, I don't know, in any particular order, uh, combo burritos, the combo burritos, the bean burritos. I'm a, I'm a big advocate for the taco burger, highly oh, underrated. No tomatoes, taco burgers. There was someone that I met that said they love taco burgers, and but, I meant to tell you who it was. Well, and I, t- I tell you this, uh, if, I, if I don't get uh, – m- most of the time if I go to uh, Taco Villa, I'm going to get uh, a combo burrito or bean burritos. If I don't get that, then I will go uh, like three taco burgers, no tomato, and uh, the uh, bean cup with the uh, red sauce and cheese and chips. So Man, you, I haven't you, had you, a bean you, cup in a while. Use the, use the chips Bill. and beans. You kind of use the chips yeah. and beans as like, like a bean, like a good dip. Yeah, you put, combine those with like three taco burgers, and that's a – that's Fantastic. a meal in That's itself. That's a great meal. That's yeah. a great meal, yeah. I do wish they bring back the enchiladas, which they had uh, as a special entry on how the do you menu call yourself for a taco? short time. Well, I guess if you have tacos, I suppose. But, I mean, how do you not have enchiladas? Um, Tex-Mex and you have enchiladas? Well, Taco Taco Bill doesn't either, you know. They have enchiladas. Yeah. They have that, so. which is, I guess, kind of one. But I digress. I just wanted to kind of throw that out there. We'll have one random one that I always just kind of – Make fun of on Twitter, but uh, I think that's unless I uh, miss somebody. No, that, that, I think that's all the questions. No, that, I think we've answered all the questions. Which took about thirty-eight minutes, which is a lot longer than we thought we were going to be sitting here. But Don Williams, make sure he answers every question that people ask because that's what we're supposed to do today. So, for those of you who have a long commute in the metro area, we appreciate you listening. We appreciate you. Better a long workout. It's a good workout. And then workout. Uh, 
And then you have uh, an interview with uh, Texas, new Texas yeah. Tech tight end Travis Kuhn. Travis Carlson. Kuntz, uh, I actually asked him how he got his uh, nickname, the Iceman. It's not where you would think. It's not Top Gun. It's actually not from Top Gun. So there's a little tease. So you want to hear, listen in for that. All righty. Well, that'll, that'll wrap it up for this time then. So uh, for Carlos, I'm Don. We'll do this, we'll do this weekly. So mm-hmm. uh, send us your questions on Twitter. And uh, now it's uh, Carlos uh, talking to Travis Koontz. Thanks for joining us, and we'll talk to you again next week. And hello, everyone. I'm Carlos Silva from the Lubbock Avalanche Journal, bringing you another edition of the Red Raider Podcast. And we've got Travis Koontz, a junior college transfer tight end here for the Texas Tech uh, men's football team. How are you doing, Travis? Pretty good. How are you? Fine. And you, man. So once again, uh, a lot of lot of stuff going on over the last several weeks. Tomorrow, you guys obviously report and start camp. I guess what are the feelings for you, knowing uh, what you've kind of been through, getting getting the transfer out and being here at Texas Tech. I was excited to finally start like some big time ball at a camp with a good staff. So I'm really excited. So I guess for you, what what kind of brought you to Texas Tech, or what really kind of stood out to you? What really stood out was the coaches. I just felt like I just I fell in love with the campus and everything around it. And the coaching staff was just really trustworthy, so that's what, that was my number one thing coming here. So I know everyone thinks about wide receivers, quarterbacks, running backs. That's kind of what everyone around Texas Tech in terms of fans knows. But tight end, I guess, what, what can you kind of explain what, what you are supposed to do? Um, they want us to block and be able to run out and catch passes. So that's like a big – we use a tight end almost 95% of the time. So, mm-hmm. And we run a fast tempo offense, so it's going to be – it's going to be a good time. So how would you say you were utilized uh, back back at JUCO, obviously in California over there? Oh, they, they like me to be hand down quite a bit and like run more of the shorter routes. Mm-hmm. So that's how they had me playing. So I guess for you, who, who do you kind of look up to? Who, who are some tight ends that you kind of kind of tr- try to emulate, so to speak? I like Gronk a lot. That's probably yeah. my favorite player in the NFL. Yeah. Like overall, he's he can do it all, and he's really good at it, obviously. So. So I guess uh, what, were there any favorite plays or anything you try to try to do that he does? I guess just to kind of make, make you feel a little bit like him when you're on the field. Oh, the flat route. I like the flat yeah. route. How he smashes well, and then he plays it. He just plays everything well. He reads the coverages and all that. So I try to be like him in a lot of ways. So I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you, but obviously your your nickname is Iceman. So where'd you get that from, man? So sophomore year, um, I was at camp, and we were at a place called Elkhorn. It was about 96 degrees. Mm-hmm. It was really humid. And then I wasn't really sweating, so one of the senior guys came up to me, and he was like, oh, why aren't you sweating? And I was like, I don't really know. He's like, we're just going to call you Iceman. So yeah. Since sophomore year of high school, I've had that. So it had nothing to do with Top Gun, where, no, where everyone else thinks, no. hey, now have you seen Top Gun? Oh, no, I haven't. Actually. Oh, that's interesting. No, yeah. Got you. So, so I guess for you, just uh, in terms of kind of playing for Texas Tech, I guess what, what can you kind of explain generally of what you guys are going to do? Because I know Coach Yost talks about being up-tempo. I guess what are you expecting from it? Yeah, I think we're going to move the ball fast, and then on the, we're going to make plays on defense as well because mm-hmm. our, our head coach, Matt Wells, he seems like a big defensive guy. So I think we're going to move the ball fast and then try and get a stop on the other end. So you're obviously kind of the prototypical tight end. Dante Thompson, a guy that you obviously have been working with the last couple months, has kind of stepped himself into that role by getting to 240 from 216. What have you seen from him in terms of his buy-in? Oh, yeah, he's he's definitely beefed up, and he looks like the true tight end. He's, he's gotten really good, I think. So I guess for you, what are some personal goals for you going into this year? I would like to be like the true tight end, like the diverse tight end that's able to do both really well. Mm-hmm. So either like in high school I was more of a receiver, but in junior college I was more of a blocker. So like one year I'd like to put it all together. So I guess for you, just kind of going into this season, I guess what, what are some things that you're looking forward to, or, or when will you know that it's truly football season for you? 
tomorrow, honestly, when we start fall camp. Yeah. Be, that'll really kick in for me. Yeah, so I guess uh, for you, I guess uh, what were – I know we talked a little bit about it, but I guess in terms of Lubbock, what were some other things other than the coaching staff that really kind of made you feel somewhat at home, if you will, because it's going to be your second home, obviously. Yeah, I liked um, the teammates as well. They treated yeah. me very well when I was here, and that was another thing. Like, I made friends instantly, so that's hard to beat. So uh, who's – I know you've been asked this before, but funniest teammate or I guess just, just someone that you kind of gravitated to that really kind of helped you? Uh, Simon Gonzalez, he's another yeah. tight end. He's pretty funny. He's yeah. Gonna, yeah, that's going to be my roommate here. And then there's a freshman named Quan. He's, he's yeah. really funny. He's out of Atlanta. He's funny. Funny dude. Gotcha. So I guess uh, for you, I guess just last thing from me, I guess what 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 can you kind of say the way that you kind of play the game? I know you said you like to emulate Gronk a little bit, but how would you describe the way you play? I'm more of like a like head downhill type of guy. I like to hit people, I would <laughs> say. And then I can run the routes. I got a lot better at it. So I'm excited to see that part of my game like increase. So. Awesome. Well, once again, appreciate the time, Travis, and uh, good luck to you all this season. This has been another edition of the Red Raider Podcast. I'm Carlos Silva. We'll talk to you next time.